1: Alexis in el descuento ha marcado el Arsenal como viene siendo habitual esta temporada Gol de Alexis 1-0 Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you.
2: Good morning, uh, if you can
1: call it that, you can. Yeah. Yeah, genuinely you can because it's before midday. Um, I should apologise uh, from the start. Uh, If you hear any weird noises, it's just the people across the road are having a tree, a gigantic tree cut down from their garden, and they're feeding it into a wood chipper out the front, so it is, as you would expect, a little bit noisy. Sure. It's just you and your accomplice dealing with the bodies, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a bit Fargo, but, you know, (laughs) I didn't want to say. Um, So, look, uh, I'm sure people will excuse us the odd bit of background noise. Um, given that we've got more serious things to discuss on this morning's uh, podcast. Yesterday in Swansea, it didn't go well at all, and it all feels kind of weird and strange and wrong at the moment. Mm. Would that be a good way of describing it? I think so. I think so. I mean, it
2: feels a little familiar. Um, Mm -mm. It feels like we've been here before to an extent. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it was a... It was a really crappy performance, wasn't it? Like, apart from that goal, which was an excellent goal that we scored, I just felt we were so poor and lifeless for long, long spells of the game. And when we got sucker punched at the end, it just didn't feel like a surprise
1: at all. No, I mean, the first half was dismal, really dismal, I thought. You know, from both sides, I think there was a pair of teams in in that regard. Uh, But towards the end of the half, I thought we sparked into life and probably should have been ahead. Um, I thought Danny Welbeck should have scored that chance right mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, and Aaron Ramsey had a, a volley which which went just wide. But I think, you know, on the base of, base of the first half in general, I don't think we could have any complaints or neither could they. But having gone ahead with the kind of goal that we've been looking for this team to score... And it was a great goal. Let's face it. I thought Oxley Chamberlain was really direct yesterday, really positive again. His running caused them problems. You know, the they, the only way that they could deal with him was to foul him. Mm. I think we saw that. Um, the The fact then that we scored that goal, really great counter attack, sharp, incisive, great cut well back from Welbeck for Alexis. You get one 0 up, and and you're thinking, okay, well look, we're away from home, we're one 0 up. Let's do the sensible thing and the the goal that we conceded the first goal brilliant free kick but again it came from us over committing um, yeah. in midfield and looking to attack I mean I get that we have to attack but the, there just doesn't seem to be any common sense to it at all
2: No and also yes we can attack but we've got <clears throat> players on the pitch whose designated responsibility that is you know if you if you actually go back and look at that goal when Swansea break away, I think Matthew Flamini is nearly as high up the pitch as uh, you know Alexis Sanchez, and the same of Aaron Ramsey, and they're the players who, at that point, should be sat deeper, holding, you know, making sure that we're safe. Uh, equally, on the other side, Carl, uh, Callum Chambers is right up at the pitch, and it's just crazy. I mean, Jamie Carragher said it on Sky Sports after the game: "How do you get counterattacked?" When you're 1 0 up with 75 minutes gone, it's pretty unbelievable, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, in the sense that it's not unbelievable, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, even then, when, when you do get counter attacked, you look at what other teams might do, and Kieran Gibbs eventually made the foul, but, you know, he should have just rugby tackled him or just hauled him back in the centre circle because you still get a yellow card. And maybe you're you're um, accused of being cynical. But, you know, I'd rather be accused of being cynical than be um, uh,
2: 1-1. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just think that if the midfielders haven't poured forward quite as carelessly as they did, the player doesn't get that far anyway. I mean, I think Gibbs made the right decision to make the foul. He probably should have made it earlier. And obviously, there's nothing you can do about the free kick itself. It's a brilliant, brilliant free kick, but if you're set up in the right way and you're doing the right things, they don't win that opportunity to score. Mm. Um, yeah, and obviously to then concede the second goal in such quick succession just sort of compounded the collapse. I mean, the other thing about that first goal, just to get, harp on about it, was that we we made that mistake in midweek. We we made that mistake of pouring forward when we didn't necessarily need to against Andelect, And then just a few days later to do exactly the same thing. Mm. It's unforgivable, really.
1: It is. Um, And and Arsene Wenger, I think when he was speaking before this uh, before the Swansea game was I think he was criticised on Tuesday night about the defending and uh, you know, he seemed to not be dismissive about it, but never sort of took into account that, okay, maybe this is something we should do something about. I think what what he said was, you know, there's only two things you can do. You can attack well and you can defend well. Which I get on a very basic level that, you know, when, you, when you're when you in a, a, a phase where you have to defend, that you do so with some common sense and, and experience. But you can't help thinking that it is the overall attitude of the team or the way that the team is sent out that this this decision to overcommit from an attacking point of view is proving costly time and time again. And not for the—it's not like it's happened just in the last two games. It's been a problem all season that we've been susceptible to the counter attack. Um, if you look even at the goal that Leicester scored, you know that was a, a swift counter down the left hand side, and and uh, you know we were done a bit by Koscielny, um being injured at that time. But too many of the goals that we've conceded have come from that, and it just seems to be the team can't get their heads around the idea that if we're going to go forward maybe we should do so with a little bit of caution you know even when flamini went charging in to try and win the ball if he'd just mm. dropped off in that position he didn't need to win the ball um you know that high up the pitch but then he's talking uh, there was an interview during the week where he's talking about how it's important we win the ball high up the pitch so maybe that's the instruction maybe that is what they're being told to do that you know, it's true that if you do win the ball high up the pitch, it, it creates danger, and you can make uh, you can make goals out of that. Alternatively, if you try win the ball up, uh, high up the pitch and fail, you leave yourself thoroughly exposed at the back, and with a back four that's been um, struggling at the best of times, you know the the uh, the outcome is almost inevitable.
2: Well, maybe that's the thought process. Maybe the idea is to win the ball. Up the pitch to you know stop it ever reaching that back four, keep the game away from them, as it were. I mean, do you think that the the players are acting under instruction? Then you don't think it's just naivety on, on their part. You think that they're behaving according to some sort of plan?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I can't think it's anything other than that. Mm. I mean, I don't. Um... You know, I know we have experienced players in the team and people will say, well, why didn't Murtisaka do this or Flamini do that? But maybe they're just doing what they're told. You know, and I, I think maybe there's something to the to the the comments that Murtisaka made about how we have to play serious football, how you can't make mistakes. But it just seems to be, it is the way that they're, they're set up, that they feel like this is... It's it's uh, their second nature that you know the the fullbacks bombing on Chambers being ahead of the ball, uh, Gibbs being ahead of the ball. Do you remember when Chambers lost the ball on the on the right hand side and they created a good chance for that like fake predator looking guy? What's his name? <laughs> I don't know who you mean the um, uh, the guy with the, oh M-Niz, uh, M-Niz, Marvin Emnes. Yeah yeah. yeah 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 um so he. He got a chance because Chambers lost the ball, but Gibbs was miles up the pitch on the other side. Miles yeah. up, so I can only assume that that is an instruction that when the when the uh, fullback on the opposite side has the ball, you push forward because that maybe allows us to stretch the play. If we can move the ball from the one side of the pitch to the other, then we've got a chance to you know to to get forward. But when that play breaks down, it leaves us exposed. Mm. All of what we do. Leaves us exposed. And surely the players aren't stupid, uh, stupid enough to realize that this isn't happening. You know, they have to know that this is happening. But, what, you know, if they're being told to do things a certain way, what, what can they do? Other than, like, ignore the instructions from the manager.
2: Yeah. I mean, you have to think if they were ignoring instructions from the manager that there'd be
1: consequences for that. So maybe players have ignored instructions from the manager. You know, if you think about it, what you know, players who are not making uh, the team on a regular basis—Podolski, for example, Rozitski, for example, other guys who who um, who haven't been in the team as much—maybe it's because they, you know, I don't know, I don't know. It's weird. What did you make of the the second goal, anyway? The chambers being exposed down well, the, the right hand side. Yeah, yeah. The chambers thing was crazy.
2: I thought, you know, it was quite obvious from inside the first 20 minutes that Montero had the beating of Chambers, I thought. You know, just uh, his pace and trickery. He's a very difficult opponent to deal with. Chambers, although most of his football's come at right back, he's still an inexperienced player. And every so often, he's going to have a game like that where he comes up against someone where the learning curve is that bit steeper. And he needed support. He needed a bit of tactical reshuffling, maybe, um, you know, in the second half, I remember Flamini, I think, sort of went through Montero quite hard. I thought that could have happened about an hour earlier and perhaps, you know, in different Arsenal teams might have done. Mm. And and I think, yeah, he needed protection and he, he didn't get it. I mean, Oxley chamberlain had a really good game going forward, but he, he didn't offer the most cover um, to Chambers. And I, I don't know, a little bit of, you know, telling Ox that he needed to hold back in there, make sure that Chambers didn't get left one-on-one it's really simple stuff Mm. I think you know anyone who's played Sunday League football if there's an area of the park where someone's got one over on you you just shut it off you just you know make sure you calm down that threat for 15-20 minutes and make sure that This team's got that base of security, and we just
1: never did that. Where does the onus on that lie? Is it Chambers to say to Oxlade-Chamberlain, I need help? Is it for Mertesacker as the captain on the day to say, uh, Ox, you need to help him? Is it Oxlade-Chamberlain to recognize the fact that this danger is going on? Is it the manager from the sideline? Combination of all those things? Ultimately, it comes down to the manager, doesn't it? To, 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 To fix a problem. When there's an obvious glaring issue on the pitch, it's down to the manager to readjust his team or the way that his team is set up. to to fix the problem.
2: Yeah, I often think that. I mean, people talk about us needing a certain kind of centre-back or a certain kind of holding midfielder who would be able to have that tactical understanding and adapt to that on the field. But that kind of player is incredibly rare. What you're talking about there is a manager on the pitch. But the point is, you've already got a manager Mm. on the sidelines, and it's his job to be sorting that out. Mm. Uh, So yeah, for me, the responsibility's got to lie with with
1: Arsenal. What about the final substitution? I know it's kind of, um, you know, maybe too little, too late anyway. But what, what about the decision to throw on Yaya Sanogo when you need a goal in injury time, basically? You've got four or five minutes maximum to get a goal. You're throwing on a guy who has never scored ahead of a guy like Podolsky who came on against Anderlecht away from home and got a, a crucial winning goal in injury time. I mean, is there any rational explanation for that, other than perhaps we wanted to just hoof the ball, um, you know, towards a big man up top?
2: I think that is the, the only explanation. I mean, it was so bizarre to me that Podolski, I think in the last half hour of the game, didn't warm up at all, and yet Sonogo was there warming up the whole time. You know, I've seen a lot of players come and go at Arsenal and, you know, Arsene Wenger has has proved me wrong on several occasions, but with Sonogo at present, I, I just don't see it at all. And especially coming back from injury, no football under his belt, very very odd decision. But you know, one of many. Um, mm. And in terms of the the defence, just going back to that second goal, it's difficult to know. You know, Chambers was beaten, Monreal was beaten. But, uh, you know, again, those those come back to, did we get the right centre-backs in the summer? You know, I mean, it's boring now to talk about that, but Montréal had a decent enough game until
1: he was exposed by a player who, you know, nearly a foot taller than him. Yeah, I mean, there is the question now that, is there a case to be made for trying to find more balance in our defence? Yeah. Um, the manager seems reluctant to use Hector Bellerin. And I get to a certain extent that he's trying to keep a makeshift back four as experienced as possible. But there comes a time where you have to recognize that, look, even if Monreal did pretty well overall yesterday, I thought, and I I feel sorry for him because he's being asked to do a job that he's just really struggling to do. Um, He was exposed at a crucial moment, and that's all it takes for you to lose a game. Um, So maybe the idea is to play Bellerin at right back, put Chambers alongside Mertesacker. Uh, We've got Gibbs at left back. We have Monreal as backup if we need it. Is there a case then to be made for that? Somebody uh, was talking about um, Van Hal at Manchester United, and they have similar defensive problems, but he's actually thrown in a young centre-half. This guy, uh, what's his name, McNair? Ryan McNair. um, and, And... He's playing a player in his natural position. He's, you know, he he. Uh, I think he had some difficult moments um, because he's an inexperienced player. He got done in the derby, I think, by Aguero. Mm. But ultimately, he's a centre half playing at centre half. Chambers is, I know, um, versatile, but to my mind, more of a centre half than a right back. I don't know how do how do we try and find that balance between now and January, given the fact that uh, what the manager is saying about Kuszynski is not very encouraging at all.
2: No, it doesn't sound good. I, I don't anticipate seeing him back any time particularly soon. Um, I think the Bellerin thing is interesting. From what I'm told, there are concerns about his defensive ability. I think as good as he is going forward, they worry about his, his you know, his ability going the other way.
1: Um, but how how does he improve that unless he plays? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, And I thought he was good against, uh, I thought he was pretty good against Hull.
2: Yeah, he had a really good game, actually, I thought. And and also, the, the thing about him as well is that even when he does make mistakes, he has the recovery speed to make up for it, mm-hmm. um, which I wouldn't say Chambers necessarily has. I mean, Montero was sprinting past him fairly easily uh, at the weekend. So, yeah, I think it's definitely worth a go. I mean, from a, a basic point of view, Montreal is always going to lose those aerial challenges, isn't he? If you cross the ball in the box and you've got a striker who's six foot plus, you should win that ball nine times out of ten. Mm. And that's a big, big problem for us. So maybe putting Chambers in there would, you know, alleviate that to an extent. Mm. Hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I still... <laughs> it's difficult to be too... Optimistic because I kind of feel like the the structural problems ahead of that are are so great. In some respects, I feel like the the midfield might be the biggest problem area. Um, and in terms of personnel, there isn't an obvious way to, to switch that up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you're right that it is more to do with um, that's more to do with the midfield. I think that's the the big problem.
2: I mean, the thing is, if you look at the attack. We've never had, uh, well, not for ten years, uh, a strike force that works so hard defensively.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that was. I think I made that point on the blog that Alexis and Welbeck are two of the most hard-working forwards we've seen at the club for ages, right? Yeah. Um, the the issue is the fact that the midfield is leaving the defence way too exposed. So, yeah.
2: and I don't think it's even a question of. Of work, I bet if you look at the numbers, I bet with all our players are covering a lot of ground. I just think it's it's done, if not without thought, then then in a I don't know in a, a, a cavalier manner that is just too
1: too dangerous and creating too many problems for us. Mm. So the next couple of games, obviously there's an interlull, but the next couple of games are Manchester United and Dortmund. Mm. Um, I don't know what to think anymore, really. (laughs) Genuinely, I mean, you know, like we said, you just don't know what's going to happen with this Arsenal side.
2: Just have no idea. Well, I mean, you know, we've we've not played well (coughs) this season. I was looking back at the results um, last night, and it's very hard to think of matches in which we've played well. Very hard. Mm. And we are some way into the season now. So... You know people say we're struggling for consistency. I, I don't know.
1: Maybe we we've have seen, been consistent. In we our, have been pretty consistent, You know, yeah, averageness.
2: If you look at the teams we've played well against, you think of Aston Villa, transpired that they were all very very ill. We were very good against Galatasaray, who had what the ropeiest defence I've seen in a long long time. Mm. We, we beat Burnley comfortably, but I think they're comfortably the worst league in the uh, worst team in the Premier League it's you know there are mitigating circumstances to all our positive performances and I, and when you look at the rest of them it's hugely underwhelming and I, yeah i'm very worried about united because that's a game that i think we all looked at as one that you know we've got a decent run of fixtures before it we can generate some momentum and go into
1: it with some confidence
2: and we just haven't managed to do that
1: mm. is it somewhat ironic in the sense that um everyone looked at 2014 as a as a watershed the summer of 2014 um, because of the financial restrictions that were in place because of the new stadium and the deals we had to do were lifted. So we get a new sponsorship deal from Emirates. We've got a new kit deal from Puma. We've got all this money splashing around. Uh, we buy Ozil last uh, last August for 42.5 million pounds. Go out in the summer, spend 30 million pounds on Alexis. You spend 16 million on Welbeck. You bring in Debushi who's a solid right back. Unlucky, of course, that he got injured. You spend 16 million quid on a, a young guy like Chambers. Fantastic potential. I think he'll be a great player for us down the years. You bring in an international goalkeeper. Whatever about the the lack of buying another defender, which has been done to death, that we have spent money and we've brought in good players. And I think on an individual basis, we probably have the best group of players we've had for a long time. But we're struggling far worse than we ever did when we had to just kind of cut our cloth and make do and uh, with what we had. It's kind of weird.
2: It is weird. I, I feel like there's not really anywhere to hide anymore now. Like, we are short of excuses at this stage because we have gone out, we have spent money. For a long time, that was, you know, the, the pervasive narrative that Arsenal just needed to spend a bit of money, bring in some Stardust, a star name, that would... You know, uh, mm. lift the whole club, lift the team. Doesn't seem to have quite had that impact. You know, we're over the hump in terms of winning something. That was another thing that was always said. Once they get a trophy, they'll have that winning mentality. Doesn't seem to have materialised at all. Yeah, mm. we're we're running short of excuses. It's it's difficult now.
1: So, uh, is it fair to say that uh, faith in the manager is at an all-time low right now? I don't know. I mean, it's. it's Well, can I mean, can you ever remember it being lower? You know, because I think we've gone. uh, You know, obviously there have been uh, doubters and and critics over the years, and that's fine. Um, But then we, maybe it's because there was a little bit of a. An upswing in terms of winning a cup because maybe that was supposed to be the platform, wasn't it? That was supposed to be the thing that would change us. Mm. That if we could just get that winning mentality, get that one trophy, we'd know what it means uh, to be winners, and we'd be able to kick on from there. And all the self-doubt and and lack of belief we had in ourselves when it came to the crunch that will be gone, obliterated by the fact that we won a trophy. And there was, you know, such a high in May when we won the FA Cup, and that that carried on through the summer. When you looked at the 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 money that we spent and the way that we we Spent it, and people were like, Okay, right, we've really taken a step forward here. We've won a trophy, we've brought in a world class player in Alexis, we brought you know good solid players. And now, for this to happen, it's like I don't know, it's like a, a, a post drug euphoria. You know, the Sunday after everyone's sitting around going, Oh, fuck, you know, I, I can't remember it ever being quite as. Uh, the, the as low as it is now,
2: I think you're probably right. I think there's probably been a bit more anger. I seem to remember at times last season there was, you know, certainly after the Villa game there was more palpable anger among fans. Mm. But I think that's um, kind of grown into a slight sense of resignation. I think that people are deflated more than they are angry. And yeah, I think faith, faith probably is it. And all
1: time, you're probably right in that respect. And it is. You know, I think I made the point today on the blog that the frustration that people feel about where we are is matched also by a, a you know, whatever you think about Arsen Wenger, whether he should go, whether he should stay, whether he needs more time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the un- the underlying issue is that nothing is going to change because the board back him one hundred percent, completely. Mm. They've just given him a new three year deal. A three year deal suggests a, they're prepared to back him for that period of time. Mm-hmm that nothing is going to change, that even if you want to change of manager, and look, if a new manager came along tomorrow and somebody said, here's this guy, he's available now, he can do a better job, I'd go, yeah, absolutely. Why not? It's the same with a player, isn't it? You know, if you can get a, another player in, but the reality is, that one, that player or that person is very difficult to find, but two, unless things go disastrously wrong, like disastrously wrong and we finish outside the top four, or the top six, that nothing is going to change.
2: Yeah, you are right about that. Uh, and that is quite, as a fan, I think that's quite, um, well, it's extremely frustrating. Whatever you may think about the manager, just the sense that what's happening doesn't have any consequence is a very... Galling thing, isn't it? It's very like Mm. it makes you feel a little bit, little bit like it's all futile. What's the point? Yeah. What's the What's the There are no stakes. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest, you know there'll be a lot of talk about signings in the January transfer window. I'm not. I mean, signing the right players in January will help, but I don't think it will solve all the problems by any stretch. I, I think that. The only way to fix it in terms of signing players is to sign players who are effectively managers in that they can organise the people around them. Mm. I I think that, you know, your your average player is just going to slot into a system that is a little bit broken.
1: Okay, well, okay, let me play devil's advocate a bit then, bearing in mind I have, like, the same concerns. Yeah. Yeah. is it not is it unrealistic to expect that let's say come january with a good center half signing with Debouchy fit with Koscielny fit fingers crossed with um with uh Ozil fit again uh, with the team perhaps in slightly better shape um assuming that that they don't implode between now and january that mm. Arsene Wenger uh, is a manager capable of turning things around to the point where, uh, you know, a top four finish in a cup is not uh, completely out of the question. I mean, you know, th- I guess that's what the board will be looking at, no?
2: Yeah, and, and he's done it before. Um, we've seen that, that exactly that. Arsenal stumbling in the first half of the season, recover with a good late run and finish in the top four. I think we will finish in the top four. Mm. Um, when I look at the Premier League, there's a lot of sides who you'd you know normally if we were having this kind of run you'd expect others to be making more ground and and getting over the horizon but the likes of Manchester United Liverpool Tottenham Everton even Manchester City they've all got problems of their own outside Chelsea there's not really an outstanding team in this league yeah Um, so I think Arsenal will make top four it's just that that isn't what this season was supposed to be about I think Mm.
1: and that's why everyone feels so crap about it well there you go and uh Solutions, I don't know what what they are, other than to hope that Arsene Wenger can can fix it, which seems again uh, to add to the frustration of things because you're kind of you're sitting and hoping that something will happen when maybe deep down you're not entirely convinced that it will. I mean, you know? do you
2: go back to does he does he go back to what he was doing at the start of last season? You know, the kind of post. That happened in the spring of 13. We lost that match at Tottenham 2-1, went to Bayern with a very different approach.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
2: Coach, you know, seemed so much more cautious in the way we played, looked to get the odd goal on the break. Is that what Arsenal have to do now?
1: I Yeah, I mean, that was something I wrote about last week. And I think, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised that we didn't go to somewhere like Swansea and do that, particularly after going 1-0 up. That mm. I don't understand why you can't just be conservative. But I don't think it's in his nature. I don't think he likes it. I don't think he likes his teams to play that way. I think he wants to be an expressive attacking manager. I think the issue over the past few years, perhaps, is that we haven't had the attacking talent to play the way that he likes to play, right? Um, you know, we were super reliant on Sesko. Mm. Didn't necessarily have the best strikers or wide players. Then we were super reliant on Van Persie, who was, uh, you know, uh, absolutely phenomenal for what 12 18 months for us scored all the goals but in general we didn't have a team that was able to perform or to play the attacking football that Arsene Wenger likes now I think he's looking at a team with uh, Welbeck with Alexis with Oxlade-Chamberlain with Cazorla with Ramsey with Wilshire he's looking at that team as one that should be able to play the the, the attacking style that he likes that's what I think and you know I think that's Obviously, a mistake because yeah. because they can't do it without a defensive platform. I don't think you can be a good attacking side without a good defensive platform. Simple as that. Um, and and I do think that perhaps um, in order to gain momentum, we should have we should have been more cautious, and we should be more cautious as a team. But I don't think that Arsene Wenger likes to to play football that way.
2: No, no, he seems resistant to, to, to going back to that because, as you say, if we were going to do it you feel like we would have done it before now this season. Yeah, yeah. Although it is telling that our two clean sheets in recent weeks came with both Arteta and Flamini in the side. Yeah. <laughs> there you
1: go. There's a way forward. There you way go. Forward. That's the answer. Right. Look, uh, that's going to do it for part one. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with your questions in part two.
2: Hello and welcome back to this cheery edition of the Ask Cast Extra. Uh, We've we'll got a look at some of your questions now, and the first one comes from George. He is at Reggie gz hmm and he says, "Do you believe our troubles are related to bringing in quite
1: a lot of new players?" No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I know that. Um... If you do try and bring in too many new players into a squad, it can it can unbalance them but you know what I think as well is that when you're bringing in new players you're bringing in players to improve a team and to to improve a squad and I think for the most part, the players that we did bring in were were good players this summer and I don't think it's an issue with them not fitting in or settling in or anything like that I mean look at Alexis and Welbeck have been two of our best players. So I don't think it's that. I think the uh, the issues that have really impacted us are lack of defensive cover, as we know, um, and injuries, of course, but also players who are just simply out of form or not playing as well as they can uh, for various reasons. Ramsey has been in and out of the team. And I think it's fair to say he's not playing anywhere near as well as he can. Jack Wilshere has had some good games. I thought he was outstanding against Manchester City. But in general, you know, you're looking for a guy to perform week in, week out on a consistent basis. And he's not doing that. And again, he's in and out of the team. Arteta, a player who I know a lot of people have an issue with. But for me, I think he's um, not that he can't be improved. But in the current setup, he's a really important player for us. I think we're much more um, solid and stable with him in the side, but he's been injured countless times in and out of the team. Santi Cazorla, yeah. another player who's bang out of form. So I think what we're looking at more than anything is, um, you know, a squad that's been impacted by form and injury and, and, and everything else. I don't think it's to do with the new players.
2: I agree with that. I think the new players generally have done well. Um, I think without them, you dread to think where we'd be. Mm. Um, there's my lorry arriving. Wow. That's yeah. super loud today. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. That's good. I, did, I did mention it to them. I was like, look, guys, you're becoming pretty popular on the podcast. Do make sure you're there. Yeah. Because um, it'd be a shame if, you know, people be furious if, if you're not present. The cast Extra lorry. Indeed. Um, yeah, so I think the signings have performed well, and God knows where we'd be without them. So mm. I don't think that the new arrivals are... Mm. Problem. I think the, the problem comes from the performances of players who were here before the summer.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I've got a question. Um, mm. But before we do it, I just uh, want, well, you know, obviously we get a lot of questions and, and we thank you for all of them. But um, this is a nice conversation between MJ Uh, who asked a question in response to my um, uh, uh, tweet about, you know, send us your questions. And he asked, is this a new season of banter or was last season just a sort of hiatus in a continuum of banter? (laughs) To which Manan Agrawal replied, you forgot the hashtag, you nonce. To which MJ replies, as if they'd put that question on the show, you idiot. To which Manan replies, you never know.
2: Manan know he does know Manan yeah. he knows what he's talking about
1: yeah look here he is on the on the show yeah uh, as for answering the question absolutely no I'm not doing that because you forgot the hashtag you nuns <laughs> so there you go uh, so I'm going to move on to this one uh, which comes from Tom Gaylor, at Tom Gaylor. and he says should Arsenal stop playing with a DM and switch to Jack Wilshere and Aaron Ramsey at the base of midfield for fluidity over cover. I guess what he's asking there is: should we uh, play uh, play those two as like the the double pivot?
2: Yeah, I saw a couple of questions about that. Um, it sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> I've got to be honest. For all for all the failings of Matthew Flamini, I feel like at least at least he's nearly that sort of player Uh, whereas I don't feel either Aaron or Jack is and and that's one of the interesting things about Ramsey you know last season obviously his goals caught the imagination and you know got him a lot of headlines but he, he was getting through an awful lot of work on the defensive side of his game his you know his tackling statistics were good he was making a lot of interceptions and I feel like you know Arsenea has been very public about saying he needs to simplify his game and not go chasing goals and I think you know that's hitting the nail on the head really he's not it's not offering the same level of protection so I I would say not for me for me that would only exacerbate the problem what about you? I,
1: I like the idea of trying something different when nothing else seems to have worked sure but i I'd, I'd go back to the, what i said about arteta um in, in the absence of anybody else um i think if he were fit and match fit that if you could slot one of those two in beside him that would be the much better solution um the two of them together i'm not sure there's the awareness or the understanding of what that position entails for it to work so i i would be I'd be along the same lines as you. I'd find that a bit scary at this moment in time. I mean, with Arteta, you know, I thought he was having a very good game against
2: Anderlecht mm-hmm. until he got injured. And I'm not going to go as far as saying if he stays on, we win, because you never know with this team. Uh, but I think we would have had a much better chance, certainly.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. On that note, yes, Talki Taco says, how much do we miss the ball retention of Arteta and Meza Ozil?
1: A lot, a lot. It's uh, it was interesting yesterday. Um, towards maybe the the second half of the first half, that Swansea began to get a bit of possession and get uh, get a bit of momentum. And there were a number of times where we had the ball at the back and looked to move it very quickly. Either we 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 hit it long or. Uh, you know, we overran it a bit. And I think that with those two in the team, we tend to keep the ball um, a, a lot better. Um, and in those situations, it, it gives you a bit more solidity, a bit more calmness at the back. Um, and I think it was probably uh, in that period where they created the chance for uh, MNES. Mm. Um, you know, that they, it felt like they were beginning to gain a bit of momentum. And towards the end of the first half, we... Uh, we obviously uh we obviously create a couple of chances ourselves but look the the, the bottom line is that when you've got the ball, they can't score and yeah, you know too often too often we we concede the ball rather too um too easily and too cheaply. Some of that of course is by players um making mistakes, taking a bad touch, running into trouble, but part of that also is not having an option. Maybe to make a, a simple pass to, and that I think Arteta and Ozil are players who are always available for a pass and who who can, for the most part, keep the ball in in uh, pressure situations. So yeah, I think we miss I think we miss that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I would agree. As you say, it's an alternative form of defence, isn't it? If you if you're keeping the ball you're probably not going to concede, unless you're Sunderland, I guess. You
1: know, score even when they're in possession. Um, Cool. All right, here's a question from Tom Brown, who asks, uh, why do you think Wenger is so opposed to rotating his team this season? Because we saw, apart from uh, Flamini and For Arteta, it was the same team that performed badly against uh, Anderlecht in the final half hour.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point I guess I can only think he thinks that the first hour was promising enough that he wanted to try and keep that going I mean who would you bring in or take out I guess only Santi Cazorla would be the one for me that I'd think about maybe leaving out Mm. Um, but even then you know do you start Lucas Podolski? I mean there are concerns over the defensive side of his game I'm not sure he would have helped on that front I don't think Theo Walcott is ready from everything we we read, mm.
1: it's partly a lack of options, isn't it? Could be a lack, certainly lack of trust in 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 some of the bench players. Mm. You know, um, and, and what it is, I suppose, is that the the issues or or the players, perhaps that you'd want to rotate, are in areas where we don't necessarily have all the depth. The issue is not who's playing wide forward for us. I don't think. You know, it's not about um, Oxley Chamberlain or Alexis or or, or Welbeck. You know, when you've got Sonog,o Podolski, Joel Campbell, etc., uh, etc. Et I don't think that's the issue. The issue is where it's not working in midfield, and you don't have the uh, you don't have the players to do it.
2: So, what about what's happened to Thomas Rosicki?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Mm, it is a bit weird because you know a player of his experience. A, a game like yesterday, for example, you might think that would be a good a good game to start Rosicki in. That even if he only does sixty minutes, that you know at least he he's a, a player who kind of sets the tempo for a team as well that has struggled to find its attacking verve. If you like, having a player like Rositsky who really does try and set a tempo um, and will probably complement Alexis in the way that he plays. Uh, you know, somebody who likes to close down and press, uh, you know, very high and and, uh, and and works hard to put the the opposition under pressure. Maybe that would work, but I don't know. Clearly, the manager doesn't fancy him at the moment. No, it's it's almost like he's lost faith with with the with the fringe players in his squad. Like, on one in you know, in one way, I understand. You think, okay, this is the the best eleven that I have for today. And you hear time and time again, look, when you when things are going wrong, play your best 11, try and get a result and build from there, build some momentum, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, when you're playing your best 11 and things are going wrong, then you, you have to think about changing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that his intention was to try and build some momentum behind a certain 11. You know, we've said um, in the early part of the season that it was a little bit problematic, that it felt like Wenger didn't know his best team. So I, I think... He, He probably felt a bit like that too and was trying to counteract that by instilling some confidence in a certain formation and a certain group of players. Unfortunately, results haven't allowed him to do that. Mm. Mm. Um, Let's have another question, shall we? Why not? Okay, this one is from JR Shot Who, John Redmond. He asks, should Steve Bold cop
1: some flack for recent performances? good question but i think um i think we're we're still unsure as to the extent of steve bold's role mm. um on the training ground you know when we had that little upsurge in defensive uh, solidity, people were quick to say, well, Steve Bold has been given some time on the training ground, and when we weren't as solid defensively, again, we had stories about how Arsene Wenger didn't like what Steve Bold was doing and took that responsibility away from him, which seemed, you know, absolutely counterproductive to me. Mm. But I do think there are perhaps questions about about his role. I mean, if you think, to when um, Pat Rice was Arsene's assistant, that he was very involved during games. You know, you'd see him up uh, up on his feet. You'd see him shouting at players. You'd see him trying to give instructions. And Steve Bold doesn't perhaps get involved in in the same way, does he? He seems a lot more passive. I mean, we see him in conversation with Arsene Wenger. uh, But whether or not Arsene Wenger pays any attention to what Steve Bold says, you know, we don't know. Um, but, he, you know, it would be nice. I mean, imagine if a guy like Baldy was standing on the sideline telling you to do something. you fucking do it. Yeah, definitely. You know, but I, I don't know. I suppose it's difficult because uh, Wenger is a very autocratic manager, that he, he is the guy in charge. He decides everything. Um, and maybe Steve Bold is sitting there going, well, you know, what's the point in me doing any of this? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what the dynamic is. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's, uh, as as bad as some people would uh, make out, um, because otherwise no. he just you know why would he bother? You yeah, know? I don't
2: think he'd be there. I don't think either of them would put up with that if there was genuinely a, a huge problem between yeah. them.
1: Yeah, but on that then, do, does Arsene Wenger maybe need to? Well, we've been down this one a, a while. Um, does he need to to delegate a bit? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, maybe. I mean, look, we don't we don't know necessarily how much. Influence Steve Bold has, we also don't know absolutely what type of coach he is. I think it's always a bit simplistic to say because he was this kind of player, he's that kind of coach.
1: Yeah, there is um, a George Graham thing there, isn't there? Because yeah,
2: exactly. Um, and, and by all accounts, Arsene was kind of a centre half or defensive midfielder. M- so.
1: Maybe Steve Bold is a proponent of gung ho attacking, and you is, never know. <laughs> this is why the team is doing it. You never know. But equally,
2: <laughs> when you when you look at the reactions yesterday's game and you see. Martin Keown say breaking the the defensive performance down so easily in analysis. You you must imagine that Steve Bould is capable of doing the same and seeing the problems that are there. Uh, someone who's, who's played in that position so many times must mm. must have an appreciation of that. Um, I don't know if Steve Bould was responsible for whatever happened in that run, uh, you know, from Bayern onwards last last year. If he was at the heart of that organisational. You know, rethink, then, then they should give him his head again and, and, and let him do it because I mm. think it's what we need. And I think now we've got attacking players that would actually enable us to provide a significant threat, even if we set up like that, because we've got players who can hit you on the break.
1: All right, here's a, here's a question, um, uh, hashtagged big issue, um, but it comes okay. from uh, Andrew Allen. And I think it's quite an interesting one because there was a lot of grappling at corners yesterday um and there is in general in the premier league mm. and he wants to know are we missing out on penalties because our opponents find our new shirts too skin tight to pull well here's the thing
2: right it should be an advantage because it should make us difficult to grapple and thus easy to get away from, easier to get away from your marker unfortunately our
1: deliveries are so bad that that advantage is completely redundant Can you think of things in nature or life that are worse than our corners? Not many, I have to say. And we live in a world
2: with many problems. We certainly do. Uh, And yet, I'd say Arsenal's corners are right up there. I mean, I... It's so. I saw on your live blog actually that you've basically just started copy and pasting the phrase "Arsenal corner cleared."
1: <laughs> Every time I write "Arsenal corner," pretty much the next word is "cleared." Yeah, of course. I, I must have typed that a hundred times this uh, this season already. More.
2: I mean, we were into double figures yesterday, weren't we? For corners, um, something like that. And mm. you know, it, I mean, honestly, they feel like a waste of everyone's time.
1: Should we just keep the ball then? I don't know. Is that what we should do? What do you mean? In the sense, just play a short corner. I mean, you know, in general, maybe. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of opposed to short corners uh, for the most part because I think you 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 um, rid yourself of a chance to get a dangerous ball into the opponent's penalty area. Hmm. But when you're, I mean, who's the only player in that side that could make a header? Is Mertesacker. Oh, yeah. um, he had won, I think, yesterday a header that went uh, went wide, not too far wide, but um, he's about the only player in that team yesterday that could have won a header. Um, but maybe if we just keep the ball and play it around and, and uh, try and put them under pressure, play it from left to right, you know, force them back into their own box a bit, maybe create a shooting opportunity, maybe that's what we should do. I've said it before and I'll say it again. <laughs> just give it to Alexis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Just tap it to him and say, Go on, have a run at it. Because mm. honestly, that is a better chance of scoring than our corn- our corners as they are currently. Yeah. Alright, have you have you uh, got one more? Yeah, let's have one more. Okay. Um This is from Arlstrom A and he asks, Do you still get mad when Arsenal put in performances like this? Or are you more or less laughing at it nowadays?
1: <laughs> I'm not laughing at it, but theres I don't know. There just seems a, a dull inevitability to, to it all, that eventually you become in, immune to it or uh, sensitized, desensitized. This is mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for there. Um, You know, maybe I'm at an age where I find getting furiously angry about stuff that you can't control completely counterproductive. Yeah, you know, there's no point in raging or going mental because ultimately, what does it change other than give yourself a headache or uh, you know, a heart attack or an ulcer or some other kind of thing. So, um, from, from that point of view, I don't get mad, but it is hugely frustrating, hugely frustrating, particularly when you see a team do the same thing week in week out and there doesn't appear to be any way or will to change it. So I think it's frustration more than, than anger. What about What you? do you
2: do at full time? What do you do to get over that? Um, write
1: about it for two hours? Yeah, well, yesterday I had to write about <laughs> it. Yeah, I had to write for ESPN. I had to, you know, do stuff for, for RS Blog News. And in a way, that's kind of cathartic. And in another way, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it helps calm you down so you're not reacting in a very visceral way but I understand why people do and that's yeah. you know that's the nature of being passionate about something is that you can't not react in a, in a strong way when you're when you're displeased but uh, yesterday I, I cooked after I'd done my writing I just cooked for a while and had a beer and that kind of that kind of calms me down Would you
2: recommend that? Cooking and beer?
1: Cooking and beer, yeah To cope? Yeah, 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 yeah. Take your mind off it. Do something else. Walk away from it. So I, I got
2: my day all wrong yesterday. In the morning, I went to the Rold Dahl Museum. And I, I have to say, I had a brilliant time. Mm. I sat in Roald Dahl's chair. All of all, all great. Loved it. Then I went to watch the Arsenal game. And it was downhill from there, to be yeah. honest. I should have stayed in the Rold Dahl Museum.
1: Was there a BFG exhibit there?
2: Yeah, Yeah, there was. But it didn't feature any... Any tall Arsenal players,
1: sadly. Right. Okay, look, here's uh, here's the final question for this week. Uh I have it here. Okay, it comes from Fred at R L F eighty six. Okay. It's come very noisy. Yeah, I don't know what that is. A dinosaur. It's a wow. motorbike, I think. Wow. Anyway. um, My
2: house does have walls. I should point that out. I know it's not. Do you have these?
1: I I, I have these at home, and uh, you know the holes in your walls so that you can see out? They're called windows. Do you have this glass stuff in them? Yeah, yeah. I've got that. And a blind. Wow. Mm. I mean, they're all made of tracing paper. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. Okay, okay. anyway, let's get on to uh, Fred's question. And uh, he says... Which fictional character would you want to be the next Arsenal manager and why? Oh, that's a great question. It is.
2: A fictional character. Yeah. Any fictional character you like. Oh, wow. I might have to go. I might have to go with something from Roald Dahl because it's so in my mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: Willy Wonka? <laughs> A charismatic leader?
2: Yeah. I just feel like, you know, he's he's got that charisma, hasn't he? He's got that air of mystery. I feel like players would get behind him. I feel like he could motivate them too with, mm-hmm. you know, possible treats. Um, I just think as well he'd look resplendent on the sidelines in that purple get-up. Yeah, with the bow tie, yeah, I mean. tie and... Yeah, the whole thing. little top hat maybe and like he'd come out of the tunnel on that weird boat thing do you remember the, yeah. in the film it's that weird <laughs> boat where they go down the chocolate river and that's how he would emerge from the tunnel every week um, and also all his staff would be oompa Loompas, which i would really enjoy that would like, be good all right a, a bench full of oompa <laughs> we have that already don't we yeah <laughs> very
1: very true um so yeah willie wonka for me right good one what, what about you yeah, I was I was thinking about this, and I was thinking for comedy purposes, you could have somebody like Sterling Archer, which would be great. Oh you yeah, know, um, uh, he, he could just drink bourbon, and uh, maybe the press conferences would be full. But I, I I got to thinking, and I think it should be um, the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, or, ge- <laughs> or, or or Game of Boobs, as Mrs. Bloggs likes to call it. Why Khaleesi? Because for a long time, she was getting taken from behind, roughly, by big people bigger than her. Yeah, she I came, remember. She came through that. She uh, appears to be a person of ruthless um, quality and huge ambition because she wants to be king or queen of the, the seven kingdoms, right? Absolutely. So like, there's no question that her ambition is to go right to the top. Mm-hmm. She has also assembled... An army of brilliant, mercenary, ruthless killers. Right. Which is what we want our manager to do. Yeah, they can play defensive midfield. Exactly. Exactly. And there's loads of them. You know, so if one gets injured, you just replace it with another one. Perfect. What are they called? The four sworn or whatever? All these bald guys. Anyway, they look cool. And they've got spears and stuff. Yeah. So you've got this quality team, ambitious, ruthless manager. And if worse comes to worst, dragons. 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 Like, imagine if Khaleesi's on the sideline, it goes off with Mourinho, and Mourinho gets in, you know, gets in Khaleesi's face. All of a sudden, it's like... Whoosh, down comes Dragony Joe, smites Mourinho, just toasts him on the sideline, and, you know, who who could object to that? No one.
2: Everyone be a winner. I think that's a great idea. Mm. I hope the board are listening. Yes. You know... If things c- continue to go
1: from bad to worse. Yeah. you Cool Khaleesi. Gotta, yeah, exactly. Give her a shout. She's had a you know, she's at a loose end. We're between seasons. Exactly. You know. Jurgen Klopp's not available. No. No. Khaleesi's,
2: Khaleesi's gotta be next on the list. There you go. There you go. Problem
1: solved. Yeah. I love it. Done. All right. Uh, we better leave it there. Um we will chat on next Monday's Cast Extra. I don't suppose there's going to be an Arscast on Friday because there's an interlal, and unless everyone wants to relive, we don't have any centre-halves and we just lost to Swansea. um, I don't think we need to do that. So we'll chat on next week's Arscast Extra. So, James, thank you as always. Thank you. And uh, until then, take it easy, folks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.